Welcome to Lockbox, a podcast providing real estate professionals with action items for success. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm going to be your host. I'm the founder of two real estate marketing and tech companies, Steezy.Digital and RealNurture.io. In this podcast, you'll learn from top 1% real estate and mortgage brokers the exact secrets to their success. Welcome to Lockbox. Welcome to Lockbox. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm here today with Luke Acri. Luke, thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, man. It's awesome to be here. Yeah. So why don't you start off, tell our listeners who you are and where you're from. Yeah. So name Luke Acri. So I'm the president of a company called Reminder Media. Uh, so it's a marketing company. Been blessed over the years. Work with about 100,000 entrepreneurs and business owners at this point. And um, we are based out of Philadelphia, actually. So grew up in Virginia, small town in Virginia, but now based out of Philadelphia uh, with Reminder Media. Awesome. And, you know, before we get into like everything that Reminder Media is today, and also how a lot of real estate professionals are leveraging that to keep in touch with their clients, what got you into the, the marketing industry in the beginning? Yeah. So I'll try not to bore you with the long story. So I grew up homeschooled, right? And a family of eight kids, which is something unique about me. My dad... As a pastor, as still as a pastor. So in growing up homeschool, got really into music, started traveling around, had a family band, thought I was going to be a musician, love broke up the band, ended up going to community college in community college. My brother, older brother at the time is a great designer, and he was actually our drummer in our band. And I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. We started our first business called Nextmark Design. And he was doing the website design. I was doing a little bit of the sales on that. That's what got me into the kind of sales aspect, the marketing aspect. We were doing small churches, mom and pop grocery stores, stuff like that. My uncle, and this is what leads to Reminder Media. My uncle had started Reminder Media about uh, 20 years ago at this point. And he was you know, a successful entrepreneur, started to mentor my brother Dan and I in our business, Nextmark Design. And he had reached a phase in his journey that I'm sure a lot of people listening to this can relate to if they're business owners, is a, is a phase of burnout. Like, man, it's a roller coaster ride. It's tough sometimes. He just reached a point in his life where he's like, man, I don't know what I want to do. I don't know if I want to keep going with my business. He started convincing me and my brother, Dan, hey, join up with him. And to shorten the story, I just say, man, God's blessed us. We joined up about 11 years ago. We've grown you know, from about 40 employees to 300 employees. Like I said, we've serviced over 100,000 small businesses at this point, doing print and digital touchpoint marketing for businesses. It's been an amazing ride. Still been a very much of a roller coaster ride. Uh, a lot of crazy stories, but I'm loving every second of it. That's awesome. And to stick with it for that length of time, I mean, most startups fail in the first five years. So to make it past that is certainly a feat. And Reminder Media is a very well-run organization. I can attest to that myself. I you know, have used it in the past and the customer service, the follow-up, I had like this account dedicated account representative that was calling me all the time and hey, upload your list. Do you need help with that? Hey, you want to meet with this? Let's, they helped me every step of the way. The online portal is amazing. Like everything about it was just a, a first class experience for sure. So uh, very, very uh, kudos to you and the team and for sticking with it these last 11 years. Thank so, you. So, you know, through that journey, what, what's the single most important action that you took on a daily basis, which attributed most to your success? Oh, man, it's hard to boil it down to maybe the single most important. I'll give you some that I look back and go and still try to practice this day is, look, sales is probably one of the most, if not the most important things within a business. And a lot of people, they run towards operational things. 
Um, and it's tempting to, because operational things tend to be a little bit easier sometimes. And just from the very, very beginning, we have been sales minded. What does that mean? It means, you know, I still have people on the phones today, about 120 callers to pick up and they do 200 cold calls a day type idea. And they are, and we do tons of types of marketing, right? But we're still actively out there prospecting, doing that every single day. That's been a huge contributor to, I think, our success is we're not willing to pound or we're not afraid to pound the pavement, knock down every door, get our name out there. So that's been a big thing. I think the other big thing is that when I look back, it's how do you surround yourself with the right people? You can't do everything. And letting go is a good thing. Leverage in business is a good thing. And as a solopreneur, it's really hard to let go as you start scaling. But the faster you can learn to let go, the faster you can learn to leverage other people in a good way, not in a bad way for their skill set, the faster you can grow. Mm. Some powerful lessons there, 100%. And one of the things that I, I liked most of what you said was letting go. And like, you can't do everything yourself. You have to, at some point, leverage the, the talent of others and begin to replicate yourself in one area. You'll never find a you. But I think the, the concept that I've heard, which really resonates with me, is if you find somebody that can do that one job 80% as good as you, then you should already have outsourced it. Like that, that person Amen should be to fully that. handling that, right? <laughs> Amen to that. It's, it's difficult. And then it's realizing that, you know, the truth is, is that will save you time and time is your most valuable asset. Like, right. And it's just, not, it's not that maybe they're doing it perfectly, but they're doing it and it saves you time to go focus on another area. And in the end, you'll find out as you grow a business, there's just no way to juggle all the balls. And if you have four balls in the air, you're moving, even if you're hundred percent on each ball, you're only moving the ball 25%. Right. Mm. But if you have one ball that you can focus on, you can get the ball all the way down to the touchdown. And that's a huge mistake I made early on and still have to keep myself on path with is like, don't get too many balls, focus on one thing, see it all the way through, score the touchdown, and then go to the other next thing or get somebody else to take that ball. Because when you have four balls in the air, you only move them 25% when your 100% effort is in it. Right. And let's bring it home for the listeners here that are in the real estate world, what Reminder Media is. So everyone has this, this CRM or this database that they've been told to accumulate over their lifetime. And in my experience, more than lead generation, most agents need more effective lead nurture with their existing sphere and database, and especially with the new leads they're paying to have you know, distributed to them every month. So I'm curious, how does Reminder Media fit in and help real estate professionals with that huge need of keeping in touch with their database? Yeah, so that's really our core uh, value prop is that if you're looking to generate more referrals, if you want to get more repeat business and make sure people never forget about you, we want to come in and give you the highest quality touch points, automate it for you, but then add a third tier to that, which is give you strategies that other producers have utilized in order to be also proactive in your follow-up, not just passive, not just sending things, but proactive to actually get that referral. So our flagship product that we're the most known for is our 48-page coffee table personally branded magazine. So it is a magazine that we create for you and your business. You're not featured next to a ton of other agents. You're not just putting your listings in it. It is literally a coffee table publication that we brand to you and your business. We send it to your database as a gift. It has worked insanely well 
over the years. And I think the reason why is if you think about it kind of just logically, everybody knows they have to send something. The question is what? And usually there's two categories you fall into. You either have you know, something that's very unique, maybe costly, a bottle of wine, taking someone out to lunch, a gift basket, all great things, but it's very hard to do at scale for 500 people in your database. So that causes people to do it one time and stop. And if you don't have the consistency, you're not going to get the referrals. So most mm. people jump from that high quality p- place to going to more postcards, templated emails, all good things. But what do you do with a postcard that your car dealership sends you? What do you do with an email that your furniture store sends you, right? It's kind of like glance at it. If the promotion doesn't hit you at the right time, you delete or you toss. The magazine has worked so well. It still blows my mind. People pull it out of their mailbox and they don't throw it away. They perceive it as a gift because it's high quality. It's not a clipper type magazine. It's literally like a better homes and garden, right? They perceive it as a gift. It has a picture of someone they actually recognize on it filled with content, not just about real estate, but about things they might be into and enjoy. And we track the shelf life to be four to six weeks in the home, the read time per issue to be about 44 minutes. And so it's been an amazing branding tool for top of mind awareness. And then what I like to call is a reciprocity tool where I send it to you, Jeff, and I pick up the phone and I call you and say, hey, Jeff, what's thinking about you today, man? I just got my latest issue. Good to be home. I know I'm sending it to you as a gift. I don't know if you had a chance to check it out, brother, but there's an article on page seven you might enjoy. How's life been? And now I get to build that relationship and that naturally leads to, hey, you know, how's everything going with your house? That You know, you're curious to know what your house is worth in this market or, hey, man, looking to help a ton of people this year. Not to be funny, Jeff, but if I could work with 50 Jeffs, it'd be amazing. Do you know anybody I could maybe introduce myself to, send this magazine to that you could connect me with? that I could help educate on what's happening in the real estate market. And that has just been a phenomenal marketing campaign for us. And we've translated that from just print to now you have a digital version of your magazine for your social and your email. So it's been been pretty awesome. Yeah, it's interesting how how well the magazine still works. There's this entire strategy that is built around creating a magazine for top producers in these markets. And then they, they uh, let other service providers to real estate professionals advertise in the magazine and become a part of the community. And just the sheer fact that it has the realtors faces on it and it's about the local real estate agents, they keep it and they read it. (laughs) It's like, it's like such a funny thing. You're like trying to break into this top 1% tier and it's really difficult, but the solution is old school. It's print. It's, it's a high class magazine. It's and just so an impression that, piece. It's really wild yeah. how it's, well, if you think about it, like from a marketing perspective, it's PR, you know what I mean? Right. So it's like, if you get featured on a TV show or, or on a podcast, right? Like this, or, you know, it just elevates your credibility. It elevates your brand and people, we know this, it's overused. People buy from people they know, like, and trust. And that mm-hmm. trust that comes from credibility of your market knowledge and your, your actually services, but it also comes from the trust of who they perceive you to be as a, as a person. And so if you can tailor both sides where you're showcasing how successful you are and how much knowledge you have on an industry and giving that value to people, but then also building a relationship where they actually trust Jeff, the person, because like, I don't know, like if you use me as an example, you know, I'm Luke Acre, president of Reminder Media. But if you got to know me as Luke Acre, he's married to his wife, Megan. They have a daughter named Evelyn. They have two dogs, Bilbo and Nora. He goes to his church, Calvary Vision. All of a sudden, your trust with me elevates in a different way. It's not a business way, but it's more of a relationship Mm -hmm. way. 
And that's what gets people to use you. Yeah, hey, very true. And, you know, when they have that know and like, as well as the trust factor, it's, it's really important. That's something I learned early in sales and still true to this day. So I'm curious when you're helping real estate professionals to automate this, this follow-up, this print follow-up, as well as this digital follow-up, you know, how, I guess I should say, what is that cost because I remember it being really fairly priced and uh, I'm just trying to make it really concrete for a real estate professional who's thinking that sounds great but isn't print really expensive yeah right they're, <laughs> they're probably thinking like a high class glossy magazine that's customized to me what the heck like you, you talked about you know going from yeah. the the high quality expensive to the to the low quality postcard but like where does this fit in? They're probably thinking yeah. like, like, how much is this? So yeah, I, remember... I want to give you the high quality gift for you know a cost effective price. So it's uh, less than a Hallmark card is what I always share with people to give them a comparison. So if you've been to CVS recently, pull a Hallmark card off the shelf. It's going to be six bucks easy without postage. Um, right. Ours is four dollars nineteen cents. That includes the shipping and handling. And what's great about it is we don't make you send a minimum of 500 or a minimum of 1,000. The minimum is literally only 50 magazines, and you can go up in increments of one. So think of like your top 50 clients, your advocates, the ones who are going to push you, refer you, your past clients type idea. Maybe you start with them, and you're looking at a couple hundred bucks every two months because it goes out six times a year. So it's a right. bi-monthly magazine. And it's exclusive as well. So the whole concept around this is like, I don't want me sending the magazine and then Jeff sending the same magazine, right? So it's exclusive. So the client that you're sending it to, nobody else can send to that client. And one of the things we've tried to do recently, because as the world evolves, we want to evolve with it, right? I believe in omnipresent marketing, which is yep. print on your coffee table, digital, you're on social, you're on their email inbox. But I also believe in data-driven marketing where, hey, how do we utilize data points to drive success? And so one of the things you get with our program now, and this is recent in the past year and a half, is we analyze your database and we try to predict who's most likely to move. It's free, included into the magazine where everybody you upload, whether you send a magazine or not to them, we're going to score them based upon a likely to move algorithm and try to predict who's most likely to move. Why do that? It's not because the data is perfect. But here's the stat that really drives it home. 82% of sellers only interview one agent. Mm. So what that teaches me is that if you're not first, you're last. So if someone's thinking about listing their home today, selling their home, and they don't think of Jeff right away, and you're not the first in the door, then you probably are not going to get that listing. And so for us, we just go, hey, let's analyze your whole database using data points. And if we can just give you the slightest edge, to be in conversation with that person before the next agent, then you have a huge chance of earning that business if they actually are likely to move. So huge that's advantage. included as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And one of my top clients, you know, out in Vegas, he 25 year broker, hundred million a year, like big fish in the market. And he says the same thing when he, I went field training with him on a couple of listing appointments just to learn it at that point from the marketing side. And now I do have my license and I'm on the commercial side. But at that point, I, d I was unlicensed and I just wanted to see what my, one of my top clients was doing. So I flew out to Vegas, went on listing appointments with him, shattered him all day because I wanted to learn and implement digital systems that. that would help him further. And so one of the things that he mentioned was 
you notice how on that listing appointment, which he won, by the way, but he said, you notice how on that listing appointment, he mentioned that he had already been approached by Open Door. Mm. And I said, I said, yeah, he, he mentioned that offer, you know, that he had already received. And Aaron's like, why aren't we the first call? And he said, that. he said, like, you know, yeah, I won the listing appointment, but, you know, most people just go with that first offer. And so I was like, you know what? That's a phenomenal point. And so this was like three years ago-ish. And we started to really fish upstream more rather than only going for bottom funnel buyers and sellers because the agent wants the, you know, the immediate ROI. We started doing some marketing that would get people that are 12 months out or just beginning the journey and, and really nurturing them through the process more because once again, why didn't they call us first? Yeah, man, that's such a such a good point. And you hit on a huge pain point in the industry. Like you said, most agents fail within five years, right? Most businesses. Why do they fail? Because they want instant gratification, right? Mm-hmm. And they they don't play the long game. They don't have enough patience. This is my belief. And so agents suffer from this all the time, whether it's a marketing system like you or I offer that they try for three months and it doesn't generate exactly what they want. So they move on to the next marketing system. They don't work the system well enough, or more importantly, they don't build an actual brand, a relationship-driven business. They tr- they build a transaction-driven business. They build a business where you are constantly on a hamster wheel. And the reason why they do that is because they need a deal today. And I try to encourage people all the time, your best chance to getting deals is to get out there and help as many people as possible and build relationship with as many people as possible. And you won't be able to immediately get the ROI, but over the years you will start seeing dividends and returns way bigger than you ever expected versus just constantly chasing the transaction. Yep. Couldn't agree more. So it seems like you're pretty into personal development. I I mentioned the uh, something about a podcast prior to this and you're like, oh yeah, I like the w- podcasts that are structured that way, right? So you're obviously, you listen to podcasts, you're reading books. I'm curious, like what are one to three books that have greatly influenced your life and career? Yeah. So one unique one, but maybe it's not unique in terms of books, but I don't think a lot of people say the, the biggest influence for me um, book-wise has been the Bible. And I mean that even from a business mm-hmm. perspective, there's all the spiritual perspective, which I think is huge. Right. And I think that's a huge portion of who a person is and who I am, but the Bible is in amazing. Go read the book of Proverbs and it will give you so much wisdom on just people and, and work ethic and chasing wisdom and all this stuff. So I would greatly encourage people uh, to look at that because it's really the study of, of humans and how they interact with God and, and business is all about humans, right? But um, then I think second from there, a book that I've really enjoyed was The Five Dysfunctions of a Team uh, by Patrick Leosoni or Leachoni, however you pronounce his last name. Five Dysfunctions of a Team is an unbelievable book if you have other members that work with you. And it really talks about all this idea of building trust and you can't have trust without healthy conflict and all these different pillars out there that you need to build a successful team. That was a great one for me. Extreme ownership was awesome. I don't know if people have read that. Jocko. Uh, That guy is unbelievable. Um, But that is an amazing book. Atomic Habits is another one by James Clear. That's another incredible one because you are the sum You're the product of your habits. Yep. Like there's no way around it. You're the product of your habits. And every single one of us, again, we try to function in an instant gratification world. We show, you know, we go to the gym, we go home, we look in the mirror and nothing's changed and we're disappointed. And it's like, no, 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 no. 
It's not about, and you could go work out nine hours in a day and come home and look in the mirror and still nothing's, nothing's changed, changed right? right? Because it's not about the nine hours and the intensity and how hard you work that day. It's what? It's in the consistency of the habit of 45 minutes every single day. And For eventually, right. Yeah. I can't tell you when, maybe it's four months, six months, eight months, right. but you're going to eventually look in that mirror and your body's going to have changed, right? It's going to mm-hmm. have evolved. And the same applies to your business and your marketing. You do our magazine right? You do it one time. Will you get a deal? We have tons of people that get deals off the first time, but not majority. Do you three months, four months, six months, seven months? What's the magic number, right? We see a lot of success after, you know, doing it 12 months, that type of idea. But I know if you keep doing it, if you keep staying in touch with your clients, you keep calling them, you keep staying top of mind, whether it's us or another company, you will see results. You will yep. see results. I can guarantee it, but most people don't have the habits uh, that give them the success they want. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think consistency is a concept that's widely accepted as a clear path to success. However, it is so easy not to do, right? It's it's easy to do. It's easy not to do. And a, a book that I love and I give as a gift all the time is The Slight Edge. That's pretty mm-hmm. much the concept of the book is, you know, that one little thing, that one phone call, that, you know, going to the gym, that that one thing each day that's easy to do and follow your feet and just go do it or just start dialing and just do it. It's also very easy not to do. And what happens is over time that just starts to separate you and the, the gap gets wider and wider and wider. And it gives you this slight edge if you decide to do it on a daily basis consistently over time. So, 100%. I read a great quote on that topic of people quitting and they're not consistent enough. I forget who to give credit to. I want to say it was Craig Groeschel. Um, who's a big thought leader on leadership. But um, he talked about the reason why people aren't consistent is because they see the habit as they need to be perfect. And what happens to mm-hmm. them is they they set this goal to go to the gym and then they fail and they don't go one day or they don't go for a week. And because they've set it with a mind of perfectionism, they get discouraged, they get down. Instead of seeing consistency as like, okay, you missed one day, get back up and go the next day. And so I think if you cannot and look at your goals and going, look, you're not going to be perfect. You commit to cold calling and doing two hours of prospect in a day and you miss one day. Don't let that get you down. Don't get that, that get discouraged. Literally just pick it up the next day, get back on the horse. So a lot of people see it as perfectionism that they need. And that's what kills them, which is pr- consistency is not perfectionism. Right. Yes. Imperfect action is better than perfect inaction, right? Amen to that, brother. So how has a failure or an apparent failure set you up for later success? Do you have a favorite failure of yours? Ooh, favorite failure. Great question. Well, I lost $1.4 million pretty much overnight. That was a pretty big failure. Um, What happened to us is, you know, we were trying to break into other industries besides real estate. And we finally broke into the financial services arena. We got a big account with Morgan Stanley. I ended up getting like, thousands of their financial advisors using our magazine and and we had a mess up and we accidentally printed some wrong material that went out to a bunch of their clients. And, you know, literally overnight, uh, the account, which was 1.4 million fastest growing account for us, it was recurring. I don't know if people understand like how valuable recurring revenue is, but subscription-based recurring 1.4 million and growing and overnight we lost it. Ouch. And that taught me two a lot of things, but it taught me uh, two big things. One is during that time, I remember my VP of corporate sales literally out on the curb, head between his legs. Like, I mean, he was just crushed. People were just, 
And I remember realizing that in leadership, right, things are never as bad as they seem because we ended up replacing that 1.4 million in like seven months. It was unbelievable how we ended up going as a company. But it was like, I realized, yeah, you have to control your emotions because in the moment, like the emotions don't matter. Give yourself time to vent, you know, give yourself the five minute rule where you vent about it for five minutes and then get over it and move Mm. on because it doesn't do anybody any good. Um, And then as you move forward, realize that, your tendency, and this was my tendency, is your tendency is to make external excuses and to point blame and to try to point blame on others. And this is probably why I love the book Extreme Ownership that Jocko talked about, because I lived it in a way for myself of realizing that using external excuses, whether you want to point the blame of what employee messed up and why that print went out there or Morgan Stanley shouldn't have let us go or all these different things, it doesn't matter. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. And take all that energy, all the excuses, and put that into progress. Learn from it. And it's that to me now when I get, you know, crazy things happen, whether it's, you know, things like a lawsuit or mess ups or whatever it is, you know, I used to get like so rattled. And I, you know, watch knock on wood, hopefully nothing big comes down the road and rattles me. But now I go, no, you know what? It is what it is. You can solve the problem. You just got to keep moving forward. Control your emotions. Keep moving forward. Got it. And you mentioned that there were two big things. The The first one was control your emotions. And you went off on a great, yeah. you know, great tangent. Is, yeah. Do you remember the second one? Yeah. So my point when the, the ones I was separating was one is, hey, control your emotions, give yourself five minutes to vent. Right. And then the second one was don't blame others. Got it. Okay. Got take, it. take responsibility. So control your emotions, give yourself five minutes to vent. It doesn't do you any good. Second, though, don't blame others because your tendency is you want to point the blame and give yourself a justification for why the hard thing happened. And the justification doesn't do you any good. It does you no good. In fact, it actually paralyzes you. The justification gives you an excuse. The justification, it's kind of like, you know, we were just talking about waking up and go to the gym. It's like you are the best salesman at 4 a.m. in the morning. Like you are, you are an incredible salesman. When you wake up at 4 a.m. in the morning, you start giving your body all the reasons why you don't need to get out of bed and why you don't need to go to the gym. And it's <laughs> like, it, it, so like I would tell people, hey, don't, don't give credibility to the, any of the excuses and external reasons of why things went wrong. Take extreme ownership forward, just move forward. Love that. And, you know, kind of on a similar note, when, when you're evaluating things, entrepreneurship, I feel like is just this rapid exposure to an, an infinite amount of decisions. <laughs> and so I'm curious, you know, what's your process for evaluating what to say no to? Mm. So the biggest factor that I use is really, does it help us achieve the vision uh, for the organization and help us fulfill the mission. So the vision I see is how you want to see the world. We'll probably never accomplish it. Um, it's kind of the BHAG, if you've read Good to Great, the yep. big, hairy, audacious goal. So the vision for us is we want to empower entrepreneurs to live a life of freedom, right? So we want to help it make a difference. How we do that every single day is through our mission, tactically, to empower our clients to close more deals and retain more business. And so in everything I try to do, I go back to, does this empower my client to close more deals, 
and retain more business? And is the result of that for them more freedom in their life? More time for them to spend with their kids, less time on marketing, more time for them to spend on their hobbies that they love or in the pieces of their business that they love. It doesn't even have to be outside the business, the pieces of their business that they love, less time on the sales portion or the marketing portion that we're supposed to contribute to. So I try to use that as a marker for me in my business to go, okay, we'll do that product or we'll do this partnership because it fulfills that. Another aspect of it is, does it actually help from a bigger side of this idea of empower entrepreneurs to live a life of freedom. Like, am do I feel good about the decision and what I can believe in and what I can evangelize? Because I think as a entrepreneur, you got to be the chief evangelist. You got to be evangelistic about your message as an ad by let would say. And so do I feel like I can get behind this from a, you know, uh, cause perspective, belief perspective, all that stuff. And then third, and it's important but you know, I don't really look at it. The first is, it, does this economically make sense? Does it econo- like are we actually going to? Is it a win-win-win where the clients win, the the partners win, and we win as the shareholders? And if it's a triple win, you know, if those three things align, I'm fulfilling my vision and mission. I'm I feel good about it. I can get behind it and I evangelize it, and the economics actually work and makes sense. I'm probably all in on that deal. Those are some good processes to decide what to say yes or no to. And first, is it in line with the vision, the BHAG, even having a BHAG, right? I feel like so many companies don't do that planning that is laid out for you in books like Scaling Up or books like Good to Great. It's like every single business should have this in place. Very few do and a lot fail because of that. Mm. And having that, that BHAG, which everyone in the organization is aware of and has alignment on, that then breaks down into the how of how it's done and then breaks down into the KPIs. And then the KPIs on an annual basis or a 10 or 20 year basis are broken down into quarterly. And now all of a sudden we could focus on things that are moving the needle forward towards the ultimate vision, right? It, it creates so much clarity to have that plan. And so many organizations don't do it. And a lot of real estate teams don't do it. So I really appreciate you bringing that up. I think there's a lot of learning lessons in there. And, you know, it's a simple book away for $10 or $20. You can have a a book Amazon Prime shipped to you in two days and, you know, spend a weekend reading it and it lays out all this stuff. But then you have to go do it with your team. And that's the hard part. And don't be scared that you will probably refine it. Like our vision has always been the same and our mission ultimately has been the same, but how we have refined how we say it to make it more clear and more tangible has changed. Um, You know, and so I think what scared me, I can only speak for myself is you're scared to put down on paper what your ultimate vision is or what your ultimate mission is. Cause you're like, I'm not sure if I know. And it's like, that's okay. Mm. Put down what you do know, what you are passionate about. Yeah, exactly. And you're allowed to part of the process. Yeah. You're, you're allowed to evolve. You're allowed to change. You're allowed to grow. And through that process of putting pen to paper, you'll almost certainly create some insights that will change it. And that's okay. Yep. A hundred percent. Yeah. I like that. So I'm curious if you have any type of strategy when you feel, you know, overwhelmed or unfocused, do you have any like questions you ask yourself or any strategies to get back on track and, and keep moving forward? Um, I don't know if I've ever thought of them as strategies. The big thing that I look towards if I'm in a rut, 
which happens, right? And I go through periods like every human does where you feel discouraged in a rut, whatever you might want to describe it as, is I really am a firm believer that you're a body, mind, and spirit. And so I look towards, am I feeding my body? So that means, am I going to the gym and working out? Am I eating healthy? Am I intaking enough water? Am I feeding my mind? So what am I listening to? What am I watching? It seems simple, but you know, I mean, it's like you're the product of your thoughts and your thoughts influence your emotions and your emotions influence your actions. And so like what you're reading is going to influence how you feel and what you're watching. When you think of Instagram, my biggest fear for my daughter, I just had a daughter. She turned one just recently. And my fear is like, oh man, with all this social and all this stuff out there that she can feed her mind with, I just hope that you know, I can help guide her to feeding her mind with good things so she doesn't right. think down upon herself or she can see positive and things, right? So what you feed your mind. So what am I reading? If I'm discouraged, chances are, wow, Luke, you haven't been consistent in your reading. Or wow, Luke, you haven't really been consistent in, you know, maybe who you're around. Because who you listen to, what you watch, what you read, who you hang out with, that all influences your mind. It influences your thoughts, which then plays into your emotion. And then the last is the spiritual side for me. I think, you know, we're all put here for a bigger purpose. I think making money is great. I think success here is great. But we all know deep inside it's fleeting. At the end of the day, nobody on their deathbed talks about their materialistic gains. Nobody talks about their successes. They talk about the usually the relationships they have and the bigger legacy and impact they've left on the world. And so for me personally, I can only speak for myself, is then I look to that spiritual side, which is going, man, am I feeding that? Am I, am I meditating? Am I praying? Am I reading my Bible? Am I doing those things? So when I'm discouraged and down, I usually look at those three pillars and Pretty much 100% of the time, if I'm off, one of those things is off. And then I got to yeah. pull myself up by my bootstraps. This is why mentors are so important is because sometimes it's hard to do those things. So you need somebody around you, a mentor, a friend that just is an accountability partner that says, hey, man, you got to do this. Like, I don't care yep. if you feel it or not. You got to do this. So chances are it's one of those three things, body, mind, or spirit. And to have the mentor hold you accountable is so key. My gosh, it's so easy to let yourself off the hook. You mentioned the best salesman in the world at 4 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> Being yourself, talking yourself out of doing what you had scheduled to do. Yeah. 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 But when you said to your friend, even if it's not some paid mentor or coach, if you said to your friend, hey, I'm going to meet you out surfing at 5 a.m. and you wake up and you're tired you're like, man, he's going to be there waiting yep. at the beach. Right? Exactly. Something as simple as that, it introduces accountability into your life. And so many people roll around on a daily basis with zero accountability because they have created this life in the real estate world, especially where, hey, you set your own schedule. Yeah. And for some, that means you can now you know wake up at 10 and work when you want to and you know, it's really hard to introduce discipline once you've escaped that kind of corporate structure, like the nine to five world. And something that I learned as a hard lesson when I got into Cutco right out of high school, which I always reference this experience in different ways. I learned so much from that. But one of them was, okay, I left a restaurant job where I had scheduled shifts and then I was done to set my own schedule. And now I work 24 <laughs> seven. Right? It's so true. It's so true, <laughs> and, man. 
And yep. so I had to, I had to schedule in like after doing that for a while and getting burnt out and then going to personal development conferences through them, I learned the art of planning and how having like six critical things each day, like three tasks, three meetings max and scheduling and eating, scheduling and working out, scheduling and sleep, scheduling in time to just contemplate and think because when you start to get to the really high performing level, it's so easy to work all the time. You have to tell yourself this is time to shut off, right? This is scheduled time to not answer emails, calls, whatever, to spend time with my wife. Like my top thing in my weekly planning is being an amazing husband to my wife's name is Megan as well. And that's that's, awesome. That's of my big three. That's number one. Yeah. It's awesome. How can I feed that relationship? And then number two, right? Because I got to this point where I was extremely efficient in all areas of my life, except for my relationship. Mm. Right. And if you don't schedule it in, doesn't happen, right? You have to schedule in date nights every week. You have to schedule in the things that feed that relationship and move it forward. And it's the same circling back to business. So I really think that's such an important concept. It's so, so well said. So well said. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, is there a question that I should have asked you or anything that you'd like to expand upon from earlier? I don't think so. I think, I mean, you have some great questions, man. So, I mean, obviously, thank you. happy to answer anything else. I would encourage everyone out there that Remember that you define your success. I think a lot of us are chasing the opinions of others. Um, I find that for myself. There's no necessarily right or wrong in business if you are serving clients well and you are you are successful. Meaning, like I, I meet a lot of people that are happy making forty five thousand, fifty thousand dollars, right? And there's a lot of people that are unhappy making a million dollars. And I think I've just been running into people more and more that it's like they feel this immense amount of pressure to grow an insane, successful business. And I would just encourage people to define what success looks like for you first before you get into business, because, you know, it's important. Otherwise, you'll be chasing other people's opinions. All right. Well, another question. What does success look like for you, Luke? Yeah. So success for me is a couple different criteria. The biggest success for me is I hope when I pass away, I will hear the words, well done, uh, good and faithful servant from my from my Lord and Savior. That's what I hope I will hear. And I believe I will hear that, but um, you know, I want to live that out. So that's one version of success. Another version of success for me is, you know, I hope I have honored uh, my family and that means prioritizing them. I hope I've honored my, my family. I have relationships with them, strong relationships. And then third, I hope I've provided people around me freedom. Um, and what I mean by freedom is I hope financial freedom. And then I hopefully mean, you know, ultimately spiritual freedom. That's really what, you know, my hope is, my passion is. And if at the end of my life, those things around me and that's my legacy, I'll be very, very proud and thankful. I love that. For me, success is measured by what I give back. Love and it's, it's really as simple as that, you know, s- siphoning off a certain portion of my income and giving it back to charity, giving back my time to those that would be a, a mentee to me and expecting nothing in return, right? Just whatever I can create the space and freedom in my life to give back. And that the magnitude of that, that's how I define success. So I think it's really important what you brought up is just like, why don't you define success before you go chase after it? Yeah. And, uh, (laughs) you know, it seems like both of us have some good definitions for it. So I think it's a great note to end on. I I really appreciate having you on. Uh, How can listeners contact you, Luke? 
Yeah, would love to connect with everybody. I'm on social at Luke Acre. My last name is spelled A-C-R-E-E. So think Acre with an extra E. So at Luke Acre, you can find me most of the social channels. If you're interested in our company, Reminder Media, you can find us on social channels at Reminder Media or www.remindermedia.com. Luke Acre, everyone, a very mission-driven president of Reminder Media. Phenomenal company, very professional, top to bottom. Go check them out. Super affordable for what they offer. And honestly, we all know it's a great way to generate more referrals if you can just stay in touch and they help you do that. So thank you so much, Luke, for being on. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you want to accomplish your real estate goals, then I highly suggest downloading my free ultimate real estate goal setting framework. The link is in the description of the show and it will help you break down your annual income goal into the amount of phone calls, appointments, or open houses you need in order to achieve that goal. Thank you so much and we'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.